this together. It's a declaration of faith that we make before we minister the word. This is my Bible. God's written living word to me. It reveals to me who God says I am and tells me what God says I can have. Because it's how he thinks, I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. And thus I am transformed. Amen. Earlier this week, I received a word prophetically that had already been going on in both my life and in my thinking. And when I got this word prophetically from a member of the church here, one of our elders, it, it really ministered to me, and I, I knew immediately that I needed to share it with you. And so I'm going to. It's the word incubation. Webster's defines incubation as to maintain under conditions favorable for hatching. To maintain under conditions favorable for hatching or development or reaction. There's a second meaning to this word that's interesting. It has to do more with being in a laboratory where the circumstances are very controlled and you keep or maintain a certain temperature so that whatever needs to be incubated is being developed in that time of incubation. You, you don't see the final result yet, but there's life going on. Are you getting me this morning? You don't see the result yet, but there's life happening behind that. You're not seeing the fruit completely, but God's got his hand on that thing. He's controlling what's going on in your life. Hallelujah. And it's coming forth. It's being incubated. There's a third definition of this, which I found really beautiful in relationship to our scripture this morning and the thoughts I want to share. Listen, to develop slowly without outward or perceptible signs. This is a perfect day, Mother's Day that is, for us to talk about how that things develop slowly in our lives, often without perceptible signs, and often because of the ability of a female, a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister, to be an incubator for the things of God. It's interesting to me that before Adam named Eve, in chapter 1 and verse 27, I think we'll have it on the screen here. I want you to notice something. So God created man. This is chapter 1 now. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, if you'll look in your text, this is before Eve is fashioned out of a rib taken from Adam's side where God puts him to sleep in chapter 2 
puts Adam to sleep and takes one of his ribs and fashions Eve and brings her to the man. And then Adam gives her her name. But notice, before any of that happens, when God's creating Adam, he creates him male and female. You see, really, in the Hebrew text, it's the Adam of God. So, in this one creation of Adam, we have the best that's male, and we have the best that's female. It's classical in many Christian circles for women to be looked down upon because they, quote, were created after Adam, many think. And then the woman's the one who ate first and sinned. She was deceived and sinned first. And then she was the one that was cursed with this curse. And your desire will be for your husband. But according to chapter 1 and verse 27, when God created Adam, it says he created them, plural, male and female. Interesting. Before she's ever named. You see, it wasn't until after the fall that the real name Eve takes place as the mother of all living. So we've briefly discussed key aspects of the fall in previous sessions together. And first and foremost is this belief that we will become like God, knowing good and evil, if we partake. That was the, that was the temptation. You, Satan, or excuse me, God knows you'll become like him if you'll partake of the tree. And so the great deception of sin is that you and I are incomplete. Ladies, the great deception of teaching that has been pervasive throughout Western Christianity is that somehow and in any way you are less. The man is first. The man's more important. The man has more revelation. The man is superior. The man comes first. The woman serves the man. And none of that is actually in the Genesis account or in the Hebrew language. In fact, the very temptation that the enemy brought to Adam and Eve was, you're incomplete, you need something more, and if you'll eat of this, God knows you'll become like him, knowing both good and evil. All sin stems from a, in, a sense of inferior incompleteness that we do not really belong to God and we're not actually everything that God created us to be. But in chapter 1, verse 27, when God creates Adam, male and female, he creates them. They're perfect. Nothing missing. Nothing absent. Ladies, look at the person sitting next to you and say, you know what, I'm perfect. Nothing's missing. Now look, at, look to the person next to you on the other side and say, you know what? I'm perfect. Nothing's missing. That's the way God designed it. So Adam 
was the reflection of the masculine and feminine aspects of the divine. Adam was the reflection of both the masculine and the feminine aspects of God. Did you know that God is both masculine and feminine? He's both male and female? He has to be because when he created Adam, both of those came out of him. The scripture says he created them in his likeness, in his image. And that was the temptation. That's where all sin starts. You're not in the image of God. You're incomplete. God knows you need something more. So if you'll smoke this joint, you'll be more complete. If you'll run around on your wife, you'll feel better. You'll be more complete. God knows that if you get into this relationship, you'll have something that right now is missing. God knows that if you get this house and you get this car and you get this career and you get this amount of money in your bank, that what's really missing in your life will be satisfied. And so, of course, all of sin is centered in that sense that we're somehow incomplete and we're outside the identity of God. At the moment of the fall, She's no longer known as Adam. She becomes Eve. Now, in the Hebrew, the word Eve means life giver. And God says in chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, let's look at this together. And Adam called his wife's name Eve. Now, the temptation has already occurred. They have fallen into sin. And judgment has come. And in verse 20 and 21, Adam calls his wife's name Eve. Prior to that, she was not known as Eve. They were known as Adam. And they were complete. They were in his perfect image. But here, Adam gives her a name, Eve. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So we've, again, in previous lessons, learned about this clothing and this issue with shame and guilt and how that was never part of the original creation that all enters in as we respond to this idea that somehow we're incomplete. We're not everything the Father wants us to be. Now, when it says that Adam is the father, it means that he is the strength of the house. But listen to this. Eve is the glue that keeps the house or family together. Wow, ladies. So while the father, which means strength, might be the strength of the house, I don't know if the mother is the one that keeps the house and the family together. Is there really a superiority in that? Both are needed to complete the divine. 
And so we have the life giver being the glue that keeps the divine family together. And it's interesting that it's through her that the light of revelation comes. Not only is this true spirituality here that we're talking about, but we're talking about very practical terms. The Christ, who's the revelation of the Father, will actually build his church, and he comes from her loins. So here's Paul's words. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. What was Eve's name? I mean, what did her name mean? Life-giver. Isn't it interesting? The first Adam became a living being, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. In the judgment of Satan... You remember in Genesis chapter 3, when God brought judgment and told Satan what was going to happen. Do you remember the judgment that was pronounced? You will go after her heel, but she's going to crush your head. Prophetically speaking of the fact that it was actually through the woman, not the man that God was going to continue his life-giving presence. Who is Paul referring to when he says that the last Adam is a life-giving spirit? Well, of course, in one sense it's Christ. But it's not without direct reference to Eve herself, the life-giver, through whom the Christ came. So, actually... This thing can blow your mind if you look into the Septuagint, not just the Hebrew, but the Septuagint compared with the Hebrew. Listen to this. The word employed is life in the absolute, absolute life, when it's speaking of Eve. In other words, and Adam called his wife absolute life or life eternal. That's what's in the Septuagint. Adam called his wife life eternal. And isn't that the name? Isn't that the spiritual reference that Jesus uses to refer to our life if we believe on him? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but will have everlasting life. John writes, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Ladies, women, not just moms, just ladies, what a high calling. What a beautiful thing that since the time of the garden, you have been incubating the deliverer in your womb, the womb of your life, the womb of your spirituality, you have been incubating the Christ who was to come and crush the head of Satan. Everything in the scripture, when we understand the original languages that it was written in, elevates all women into the highest of position. Certainly nothing secondary Certainly nothing subservient. Certainly in no way is a woman to be under a man. 
They share. In fact, here's the word Peter uses. Joint heirs together of the grace of life. Oh, ladies, you missed a good place to shout. So as we use this day each year to celebrate moms, what we're actually doing, all of you women, we're celebrating that it's actually out of your spiritual womb as a life giver that you have been incubating into the earth all that's prophetically spoken, not only about the Christ, but about your entire family, your friends, everyone you touch, out of your loins spiritually comes the deliverer, the life giver. You have that beautiful call and responsibility. Oh my goodness. I uh, was driving along in the car yesterday returning from a graduation ceremony that I was invited to Nina Nina and I were invited to and we were driving home and chatting about females and chatting about the internet and chatting about how times have changed and I am not exactly sure how we got on this but we were just overwhelmed with the crowd you know when the when the ceremony was over uh, the ceremonies were over. Uh, everybody began to exit this building. Well, that took a while. And then once we got outside, we kind of, you know, we had to wade through the crowd and try to find each other and all of that. And, and then as we left, we had to pick our way through people taking pictures and cameras and, and, and people just stopping dead in their tracks and talking. I mean, not like moving to the side. They would just stop wherever they are and talk like they were the only person on the unit. Am I sounding like an older man? See, you guys probably never think about that when you're in a crowd. You're probably saying, yes, this is exciting. This is My wife and I, as a little bit older generation, we're thinking about how do we get through here? Oh, my God, look at this crowd. This is so disturbing. We have to be somewhere. I mean, why don't these people move over? There's a place for fellowship. There's a place for walking. There's a place to take your pictures. There's a place to let Pastor Jeff and Nina get through the crowd. So this is just like overwhelming, you know. And we get in the car and it, 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 it births. It, it's incubated this conversation about, oh my God. And, and, and I make the comment to her, I remembered, I said, do you know 70% of the populace now doesn't have a, line, a land line? We all just use our, our cell phones. And then we started thinking, I, and I, I made the kind of silly remark. I said, yeah, and as old as you are, I mean, the phone, electricity, and the Internet have all come into being. And we laughed. Oh, you say, oh. But see, when you get our age, these are the kind of things that you will enjoy back and forth with one another. See, see you, but you have to be older. See, right now that would hurt you. Right now as a woman that would hurt you. But, but see, we enjoy it, we laugh, and so forth. And then we started thinking, my mom. My mom is three years from 100. Yeah, she's 97. Talk, talk about a woman who's been in the earth a while. But then we started thinking, 
Yeah, and Nina said, Nina said uh, well, yeah, I mean, I bet decades went on, you know, five, six decades went in her life before she saw any great big changes. And now it's like we have monumental changes every 10 years. Society changes. Some new technology is released. And all of a sudden it hit me. What would it be like to have the generations of women come up here before you today and just entertain a few thoughts about what it means to be a woman and what's different today from a hundred years ago. I thought that would be fascinating. And so I called my daughter. She's here today with her husband, Matt. So this is Lisa and Matt. And, uh, of course, my mom uh, comes to church here, and you know her, and she's 97. And, and then there's my uh, wife here, and she's... Um, and, and so I thought at that age, you know, that would be... And so we'll have her come up. So I'd like to ask Lisa to come here, please. Uh, and uh, could we get one of the people that are sharp with this kind of thing to be sure that these microphones are right where they need to be in front of them. So Lisa's going to have a seat. (laughs) You're right here, Mom. All right, so here we go, right here. That's tall. Yeah, it's tall. It's tall. Now, see, that's something you would say when you're your age. But see, we just jump up there, you know. All right. Let, let me get a guy, come on, somebody with, who's good with this, get these microphones set here, get them right in front, real close to where they, uh, they're going to be speaking. There we go. Thank you so much, guys. All right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're going to give this one to Nina. Okay, yeah, it has to be close, Mom. Yeah, good. Okay. So, once again, this is Lisa Whipple, and I'll just tell something interesting here. My daughter, Lisa, formerly Corson, met in the last couple of years this young handsome gentleman, walked into her church where she goes, way down south, and it turns out through a series of events, they rediscovered each other, and we found out, well, once we knew who this gentleman was, he and his four other brothers and one sister and mom and dad all came to our church back in the 80s, our first church, the Whipple family. Everybody was in love with the Whipple family. Well, the Whipple family babysat my daughter. And she and Matt went to school together. Now they're married. (laughs) Brother. (laughs) You see how the the feminine, the womb of of a woman just incubates God's purposes and will. All right? Love that. And so then we we have Nina, who's yet from another generation in the middle. And my mom, 97. And I'm going to moderate. I have nothing brilliant to say as a woman. But I am a brilliant observer of the feminine mind. 
Look what I created. Let's be sure, yeah, let's be sure her microphone is up. We don't want to miss any of these pithy statements. Look what I created. Now, I've only got so long here. All right, so... Calm it down, Mom. <laughs> they made a mistake at the hospital. I got somebody else's. <laughs> you told me you didn't have anything to say. I don't now. That's it. That was it. That was it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nothing else. Um, I, I want to know what you're most grateful for as a woman, wife, mother, sister, any one of those things, what are you most grateful for, ladies? Talking to me? Yeah. yeah. I want you to get real close to the microphone, almost where it's touching your lips. My long life. And my health. You don't have to say any more. That's beautiful. I just That's don't it. want to cut you off. That's All it. right. I don't want to answer the question. You don't want to answer the question? <laughs> See, this is an observance of the feminine mind. And let me say at this point, you, it will never make sense. You will never, guys, you will never understand the feminine mind. All right. You don't have to be married for this to be true. All right, so we're going to go then I'm just to, kidding, of okay, course. All right. This is called... This is called this is, this Can we is, get a little louder? And you want to touch yeah, your lips yeah, yeah, with, those, yeah. that, with that microphone. Yeah, don't you love that? You have to touch your lips with the microphone. <laughs> no, it's so important. Talk. Really close. Well, of course, I'm most grateful for family. And, I'm most, and you know what? On Mother's Day, this is my... You all are extended family. Our church has always been our extended family. So yeah. we have our immediate family and our extended family. And I'm always grateful for our loved ones and which includes people here and people out there and a few people who aren't can't a few of our immediate family who can't be here today so your turn i don't want to say anything either <laughs> she gets that from her mother mm, yeah. yeah can we get um, the mics even louder i don't know if there's a most grateful for because there's so much to be grateful for but i would also say family my parents and my husband Blessings. Blessings, having everything that I need, hmm. yeah. wow. always. So I'm, I'm curious, we, we have such a generational um, view here. What's different about being a woman today compared to when you were a young lady, say in your 20s? That's a good question for you to answer. <laughs> What's different today? Yeah. <clears throat> From the standpoint of a woman. <laughs> well, way back then, they thought we should be in the kitchen only, I guess. Who's they? People. <laughs> Society. Society. Religion. Men mostly. R religious teaching. <laughs> Men mostly. But I never did do that because I never did learn to cook. <laughs> That's not true. You made the best roast yes, ever. Yes, you did. <laughs> I still don't cook. 
I used my microwave and I put those little box meals in it. <laughs> Every day, that's what I eat. Well, I think for me, it, there's a lot to be said about the uh, spiritual side of what's, of what's different and uh, being able to be a leader in ministry. So uh, when we got started, when I met Jeff, as a matter of fact, I already knew I had a calling on my life, and I thought that that calling to ministry meant I had to marry a man in ministry, that I, wasn't going, I wouldn't be able to be this person I thought I was called to be unless I was married to a man in ministry. So I knew I was going to marry a man mm. who was going into ministry, and that was in the early 80s, or late 70s, late 70s when we met and got married. In the 80s, when we got into ministry and started getting involved with a particular <clears throat> group of, of ministers and churches, I found out, well, if you were married to a man in ministry, you were considered a minister also. So that was a, a little bit of a step forward. And then, not too long after that, I began to realize, well, wait a minute, what if I wasn't married to a man in ministry? And uh, went on into the whole realization and revelation that women are called, whether or not you're ever married to a man. In, and as a matter of fact, <clears throat> the, 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 the step forward about if you were married to a man in ministry, then you were a minister, I find that a falsehood. Not all women are ministers who are married to ministers, and not all women who are ministers have a husband who's a minister. And so this, it, I've lived through these decades of coming to this um, revelation that men and women are equal, and men and women can both be called individually, separately. They don't have to both be, quote, in ministry together. And, of course, there's still plenty of spiritual Bible believers who still don't believe that yet. <clears throat> but this has been a, been a part of, even just from the 70s to now, of seeing greater liberation in that way. And, of course, we've seen it in the non-biblical beliefs as far as CEOs and business leaders and leaders in management and, and, and our society coming to accept women in leadership. And yet that's still different from the spiritual side of uh, leadership and ministry. They, they're, they're, they, they go hand in hand, and they are separate at the same time. So, anyway, and... and, and and in finding it important that a woman leader, whether it's in business, in the home, in the ministry, that just because you're in leadership doesn't mean you have to act like a man, by the way. We're supposed to respect women as equals to men and respect even the emotional side. I'm just going to do a little preaching here. The emotional side of women is to be respected that it's part of the image of God, that we're not supposed to lead like men lead. We're supposed to lead like women lead. And so your generation and the next generation and the next generation, all of you ladies are going to have more and more and more freedom to just be you and be a leader. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I know. We can go to a different question. Um, I think, obviously, technology has changed even a lot since I was a teenager and in my 20s. Um, so dating throughout that time and a landline phone and then a cell phone and there didn't used to be text messaging and 
there didn't used to be websites where you'd go meet people. And so all of that has changed. I think one good thing about it is the ability to Google stuff. So I can Google, how do I deal with an attitude of a teenager? <laughs> what do I do? What do I say? Um, makes it easier. How do I, what temperature do I cook this at? And I do like to be in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm okay being there. And she's yeah. awesome. She's an awesome cook. So, Lisa, how, how, um, how are you like mom, and how are you different from mom? Uh, you know that saying, you always, you know, think you're not going to grow up to be like your mom, but then you do, and you find yourself doing the things that are like your mom. But in this case, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Uh, I, I, pick I pick one I, or two things. That I'm like her? Yeah, um, like her and then not like her, which isn't a negative. I'm exactly like her because okay. she's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> that makes you amazing. I, <laughs> I think I get a love for people from her, a kindness and an empathy and a care. I value relationships. I have a lot of really good friends that I've been friends with for a long time. So I think I learned that from her. I can't really, I don't know Is what there I'm anything not you're not like, like I, her, really, that she's... I'm not as naive as she is. <laughs> <laughs> she's naive. I'm not as naive as my mom. <laughs> hey, that's real. That's real? That's a good thing. All right. Uh, sweetie, how, how are you like your mom in an item or two? And how are you not like your mom in something? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> of course, my mom's been gone for about 11 years. She was 88 when she passed away, so she'd be about 100 now. And so, you know, that uh, their generation is quite different than our generation. So I know there's uh, a lot of differences but um, I think um, being somewhat independent came from my mom. My dad died when I was young, and my mom worked all my life, and Vi worked all of her life. Absolutely. And um, outside the worked in home and outside the home. And of course, both of them in a generation that wasn't necessarily doing that. Um, and so, but she had to take care of us because my father was an alcoholic and, <clears throat> and so he, he wasn't bad to us, but he didn't, he kept losing his job. So she went to work. So she became somewhat independent and I definitely remember her teaching us to be independent. She actually taught us to do one of two things, marry a man who's rich. How'd that work out for you? Not so great. <laughs> she didn't take that one. <laughs> All right, we, we only have about two minutes here. <laughs> or, and or be independent, because something could happen was kind of her theory. So uh, I think there's a lot of independence yeah. that I have that came from her. And yeah. in ways I'm not like her, uh, probably a million. For one thing, I, I know what it is. She was not good at sharing her emotions. She was not good at sharing who she really was. Mm. And I'm the exact opposite of that. I'm always sharing who I really am. Amen. <laughs> amen. Can we get an amen? Amen. All right. Mom, same question. 
was. Uh, <laughs> I forgot what it was. How are you like your mother? Just pick something. How are you not like your mother? Pick I'm something. nothing like my mother was. She left when I was eight years old, so I don't even know. I didn't have her around. And I've always thought, as long as I have a job, I'll be all right. And I worked all the time. Even, <clears throat> even when I was married to your dad and had you kids, I still worked all the time. In fact, you were still cleaning homes... Oh, yeah, I did that just... Until when? About a month ago, a month and a half ago. A little longer than that. A little longer than a month, but... Six or eight months. Six or eight months. Yeah, it's been longer than a month. (laughs) You know what? At 97, it doesn't matter, though. Yeah, you're good. It's good if you want to say it's a month ago. (laughs) At 97, she was still cleaning homes. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I was. I was. Okay, all right. Just one, not, not... You used to clean several. Yes, I did. I had a whole bunch uh, only in Only within the last five years, you, you cleaned more than one. In Aurora, yeah. yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> one last question. What is your most treasured memory? What is your most terrible memory? Now, of course, again, we're asking this not like just as a mother for Mother's Day, but a woman. So wife, mother, daughter, <clears throat> sister, something that took place. Maybe you were married, maybe you weren't. Mom, well, you, the worst, you go first. The worst thing is losing my two children, my daughter and my youngest son. When that, did, that was the worst thing. When did happen. they pass? What were their names? Michael was the youngest, and he, it's been, it'll be three years this August since he passed away. How old was he? He was 50. And your daughter? And my daughter, it's been 10 years since she passed away. She was like, I think, about 53 when she passed away. So I just have you left. <laughs> that wasn't said with a lot of confidence. I, you know, I, I don't know. Happy Mother's Day, I guess, would be the response. <laughs> and that's why I live in your basement. That's why she lives in our basement. She wants to keep track of this. Yeah. We, keep, we keep her locked in the basement. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, okay. yeah, I don't even eat with them. I just go up and see if they're alive. <laughs> I, every day. No, literally. She comes upstairs, kind of shuffles through the home. Just, I just wanted to see if anybody's alive up here. <laughs> she literally, every day. That's true. Throws her That's trash true. away out in the garage. She did forget to mention that she has a beautiful apartment in the basement. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, this it's is not huge. like an unfinished, unfinished you know, concrete with a, oh, no. it's, a box. It's, a, and, it's all finished, yeah, just like the upstairs. Apartment. It really is, and it's huge. It could be the largest you've ever lived in. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 I mean the best. What was the other part of the question? Okay, the other part is give us just like one of your most favorite moments. Your, your fondest memory of anything as a woman. Fondest memory. Oh, I can't even remember anything. <laughs> okay, Lisa, I'm going to go to you. Same two questions. Your, your most terrible memory, your fondest memory. It's hard to say most. But, yeah, um, okay. So a terrible memory was losing a friend the first time I lost a friend to suicide. How old was and the he? impact of that. 
Uh, he was 19. And oh, goodness. I was early 20s. And your relationship to? We were just good friends. It was just, just good friends. With suicide and experiencing that, and that for the first time, I think I just was okay. very impactful. Well, as time. a woman, though, <clears throat> do you think that your response to that suicide, how did you feel? Put, put it in the context of being a woman. Anything in particular? I don't know. Okay. Give me a favorite moment, a highlight. Okay, you said treasured. So Treasure. I'm gonna go on that. Okay. Um, and I think it does have to be, have to do with being a woman. Um, my first broken heart ever. Not that that was the treasured part. Um, I remember that I was devastated, and I was a teenager, and my mom came and she slept in bed with me and helped me all night. But all the women go off. Treasure. Wow. Had you heard that before? Did you know that, Nina? Well, I know I did. I mean, you know you did. <laughs> but I, I mean. <laughs> Have the man sit down. Just tell him to sit down. <laughs> But did you know, had you ever talked about that together and did you know she felt that I way? I think we had actually. Okay, all right. Yeah. All right, so Nina, finally then with you, your most treasured moment and your most terrible memory. Okay. When I was born, of course. I, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Actually, I have to give two very most treasured moments and they both involve you. One was the day you were born, and I cried, and the doctor said, what are you crying about? And, and I'm sure he was wondering if I was hurting or something. I said, I'm so happy. <laughs> and they put her in my arms, and it was so wonderful. And a second most treasured moment is with you and Mr. Matt, almost three years ago on the day of your wedding. And it was something we had prayed for since you were in the womb, and I prayed for the um, man of your dreams, to come into your life, and Matt is definitely him, and so we love him and you so much, and so definitely a, just a highlight of our lives. And then I don't want to tell the most terrible moment. What I want to tell is a fun moment. Okay. Okay. And, it, and it's a mothering, parenting, and I actually have two of those, <laughs> that you will all be able to appreciate imperfect parenting. Uh, when Lisa was probably about five months old, maybe six, it had, we'd had a horrible, horrible snowstorm. And we lived in a cul-de-sac, and um, uh, so Jeff couldn't even pull into the cul-de-sac after work the night before because there was too much snow. And he, is back, he, had, a, he had a hurt back at the time, and he couldn't go dig himself out. Well, so I couldn't take, we couldn't take her out in the snow, and she wasn't really rolling over yet. She, she had rolled over one way. That was it. So I thought she'd be perfectly fine, put her on a blanket right in smack dab in the middle of the living room, went out, helped him, got him shoveled out. As I'm coming back, this is a couple of doors down, so as I'm coming back, I hear this little tiny screaming. And I'm going, oh no, what's going on? I go running in. Well, apparently she had gotten so upset, she had rolled over, <laughs> and she was underneath. We had a low coffee table, which had a low bar underneath of bars, and she was underneath those bars, screaming her head off. I felt like the most horrible parent, and I felt like, oh, no, she's going to be scarred for life. So I need to know, are you scarred for life? <laughs> Phew, I'm so relieved. 
Imperfect parenting. Okay, so then the second one, you were maybe somewhere between 10 and 12, you might remember, and we were in Tulsa. And um, we went to conferences every single year, ministers and leaders conferences every single year. And usually she didn't go with us, but that year she went with us. And this is a big conference, 1,500, 2,000 people, ministers, a lot of ministers. It was our opportunity to connect with people we hadn't seen in a long time every year, for one thing. And, of course, there was a, again, I don't remember if you were children's church age or teen, preteen, teenage, quite great. A little older than that, I think. But anyway, maybe. And so she had her group to go be with during the morning session. And so, um, and of course, we would meet afterwards. Well, one of the days, we came out of the morning session. We're talking to some other pastors. We agree. Oh, let's go to lunch, which was very common. Let's go to lunch. So we all go get in the car. We're driving down the street. We're about a mile and a half down the street. And the other people are talking. I'm, I remember I'm looking over the back seat talking to them. And all of a sudden, it flashes into my head. Lisa, where's Lisa? We hadn't brought her with us. And we didn't see, we didn't even remember she was there. Another, maybe you were scarred for life, I don't know. Abandonment issues. Abandonment. (laughs) That's where she gets all of her abandonment issues, Matt. And so we turn the car around. I mean, talk about guilt. Oh, my gosh, felt like the most horrible mother in the world. How could we have forgotten our daughter? And we get back there, and she just comes up. She's all fine, and... And she didn't even realize we had left. That's she not had true. You had? I thought I, you did. Well, I didn't realize you left, but I was calling around oh. trying to find, like, I thought you were in the, the room. room. Yeah, and you I were looking for us. I didn't realize we'd actually you. left. I mean, I could have not told her we left her, but <laughs> it was too late. <laughs> so crazy parenting moments. <laughs> and I'd just like to say that on that day, Nina was in charge of the children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was her responsibility that day. Yes, it certainly and wasn't so his was, fault. This was her fault. I just want to say something else about you. <clears throat> when, when he was a teenager in high school, <clears throat> he used to talk to the kids as they were coming out, you know, about Jesus. And they called him the Jesus freak. And I said, does that bother you, Jeff? And he said, no, it doesn't bother him. And down in our rec room... Some of the boys even came down there to talk to him if they were having trouble with something at home or something like that. And they came down in our, our rec room downstairs and talked to Jeff about it. And he was only a teenager. And that's, that's when he started in high school, right? And he went to Faith Bible Chapel and went to the, uh, what they call Bible it? Bible school. Uh, yeah, the Bible college down there. And I wanted to keep up, so I went too. <laughs> she did. Yeah. She did. <laughs> and I got a lot of A's too. She got a lot of A's. I did. Well, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I'm going to let all of you sit down and we're going to close our service with something a little special here. (laughs) Every once in a while I will watch something on the internet or television that 
brings me to tears. And then I'll watch it again and again and again. And each time I do, I cry longer and harder. Such is what I'm about to show you. I, yeah, thanks on Mother's Day. But here, I, I, I need to set this up. This is from the competition called Britain's Got Talent. Simon, one of the infamous, he's the infamous uh, judge. He's sitting on the far right. He's also the one introducing the contestant. He does something, you'll see it, that puts the whole crowd and the singer on edge. There will actually be two songs that you will hear from this singer. They're not complete songs, and if you know these competitions, they're shortened versions anyway, and uh, you'll understand here. So this is not going to go on and on. In fact, the songs are very short. The second song is called With You, and it's from a very famous play, Broadway play, called The Ghost referring to, how many of you saw the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze and, okay, so there's a Broadway play now that's resurrected uh, the ghost. And um, this is a, a, I mean, it's the, it's the key song from that play. Here's what I want you to do during this now. Keep your eyes on the little girl, which happens to be this woman's daughter. Watch her. Anytime the camera pans to this little girl, I want you to watch her carefully. Every shot, all the way through. And as you do, I want you to remember the theme of our time this morning, incubation. What I want you to hear is not so much the song and the words to the song, although it is stunning and beautiful. I did not choose it for Mother's Day. I chose it because of what you will see in the expression on this little child's face as she relates to her mother. It so speaks of this incubation, this life-giving that you ladies uniquely do throughout the earth. Go in. Yeah, Come on. Let's do it. You'll Come feel on. better when you're out there. Best of luck. Onto the store. Have fun. Enjoy. Hello. Your name is? Sean. Okay. How old are you? I'm 31. And where are you from? Um, I'm originally from Nuneaton in Warwickshire. And do you work, Sean? Yes, I do. I'm an accounts manager. You got kids? Yeah, three. They're all here as well somewhere, yeah. Okay, so why have you left it till now to come on a show like this? Um, If I'm honest, I I just get really scared. (laughs) Just, it just, yeah, scares me a bit. And you're scared of what? Someone saying to you, you're not very good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you've come to the right place. I mean, if you're at all worried about someone saying, didn't like your singing. I, did, I didn't put myself here. Right, and I, who did? I, my, my daughter actually applied on my behalf. Uh, yeah. So, not much pressure then. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to it. Good luck. Lost in so many different ways out in the dark. 
Okay, Sean. It was so jolly and happy and horrible that it it wasn't emotional. The with you, can you sing that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Please. I'm trying. I paint I think we missed the beginning, sorry. Hang on, hang on. Start again, start again, start again. It's okay. It's proper nervous now. I picked up your shirts this morning. I don't know why. I don't know why. And every place we ever walked and everywhere we talked i miss you never leave my mind so much of you is left behind you You're recalling Everyone says it's all in my head I can't accept it yet I keep that you're just giving I know that I can live with this pain These feelings of regret Every place I want to be I want to see Thank you so much for your support. That was lovely. Uh, I, first of all, congratulations on what you just did. Why I really liked that second song, apart from the fact I love the song, is that you weren't prepared for it. And it was just the fact that you were just actually so much more relaxed. And I really felt that we were listening to who you really are. Uh, I thought it was great. Really, really, really good. 
It was really, really moving. The children will be very proud. Yeah, you're very lucky she signed the application form for you. So, now we have the real moment of truth. David. It was like watching a caterpillar turn into a butterfly. I'm going to say yes. It's a yes from me. It's a yes from me. You've got four yeses. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ladies, listen to me. You will never know, even through your darkest hours, your worst mistakes, you're feeling like it's not coming together, it's not going to happen. I'm, my life is an embarrassment. You'll never know what you carry and how you're actually changing the lives of everybody around you. Stay faithful. Do your best and know that living on the inside of you from the time of Eve is something so supernatural. You gave birth to the deliverer. And ladies, everything you touch is in some way God's going to use it for his blessing. Let's stand.